Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 7th, 2021, and this is the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, as always, we have a great show for you. In the second segment, we're going to be talking with Dave and Dorothy Hargrave about an experience which can only be described as miraculous. But first, as always, we want to welcome everyone listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM Hearn Bryan College Station. And also, a welcome to our Central Texas listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM, Lorena Waco. And also, a shout out to our listeners in Palestine on KINF 107.9. Our show this morning is live, so if you have something that you would like to share with everyone about what's happening in your parish, feel free to give us a phone call on 85LOVE-RED-C. That's 855 683 7332. I wanted to start as we have been doing with the prayer of St. Anth- uh, St. Joseph. I'm saying St. Anthony because that's what I normally say. Uh, <laughs> so let's begin as we should always in prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain from me all the knowledge and love of the sacred heart of Jesus. And finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm joined in the studio this morning by our president, Dennis Maka. Good morning, Deacon Mike. Good morning, Dennis. How's everything going? It's going very well. It's a busy summer. It's a busy summer for us. We've got a lot of activity going on. Home and and with the radio and with the the apostolate in general. So a lot of great things that are happening. Well, I wanted to mention a little bit about the family festival that we had. And we had such a wonderful turnout. And I think nice. everybody had such a wonderful time. It was very nice. We were very pleased. And, and we had a great, great weather, great sunny day with just a little cloud cover and just the perfect breeze. Uh, we definitely want to continue this to be an annual event. Uh, we've worked with Ablaze before on some previous things. This one went marvelously, and they are very excited to be able to partner with us to do this again next year. And uh, we're working on something for the uh, Central Texas area as well. So stay tuned for more root news from Robin Waters, our station director up there. And um, he's also our new director of evangelization and outreach. Wonderful. And uh, Robin does a wonderful job at outreach in every respect. Oh, my gosh. 
He's he's just a miraculous uh, help for us. <laughs> We're very pleased um, at all he's doing up there, and he knows so many people um, community wide. They they love and uh, respect all he's done in the past and what he's doing now for Red Sea Catholic Radio. Now the important question though is he going to go to kickball? Robin Waters, I don't know because he wasn't there at the family fun day. Now Thaddeus, um, you know. <laughs> It's hard to strike out at kickball, but you know, Thaddeus, that was the first time I've seen it's first time for someone, you know, I, I was really surprised that he struck out it. I think it was just being a Such good a, father and showing his children that it's not oh, it's okay to fail. Exactly. You know, I mean, to each his own, you know. It's a big ball, but uh, you know, <laughs> and it was a kindergartner pitching it to him, you know. It was a slow roll and everything. I was just shocked, you know. So well, it's also nice to not have him in the studio. Exactly, to, uh, to defend himself. To, uh, to refute the facts. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so next week there will probably be a rebuttal. <laughs> well, maybe he's got to listen to the show, I guess. He's out doing his other his other work here with the, the apostolate. Oh, on a more serious note. Uh... <laughs> Robbins has texted, I am awesome at kickball. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. <laughs> We have a listener. Yay. Yes. We have feedback. Life is good. Uh, yeah. Oh. Things are going very well. Thank you. One of the things I wanted to mention, uh, we, through the year of St. Joseph, we're uh -huh. praying the prayer of St. Joseph, and we're highlighting a little bit about this wonderful saint, especially his relationship with the church. And one thing I wanted to point out right now, as a lot of parishes are undergoing changes where um, pastors are leaving, priests mm -hmm. are leaving, new priests coming in, new pastors coming in. Right. And um, so often we fail to see the correlation between St. Joseph and the priesthood. But if we really think about it, every single priest is an adoptive father to the parish that he mm -hmm. works at. And so for every priest, St. Joseph is such a wonderful example of mm -hmm. what that looks like. And so I ask all our listeners, say a prayer for all the priests that might have left your parish mm -hmm. and a prayer for all the priests that may be coming to your parish and say thank you to them for being willing to adopt that parish, take it on with all its good things and all mm -hmm. its challenges and to minister to them. I can only imagine the challenges St. Joseph faced being the father of the Holy Family. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. No pressure whatsoever, yeah. especially since, you know, the other two people in the family could not sin. Right. And... You're the only one with that ability. Yeah. So. Um, well, there's a lot about St. Joseph that that hasn't been passed down through the years, but we, we are doing a reflection series on the, during the year of St. Joseph on the wonders of St. Joseph based on the, the book by uh, Father Donald Calloway. So if you go to our website and you go to um, short form programming and some of that, that area there, you can actually find the whole series that we've written and uh, recorded and produced throughout this year so far. We've got another cycle coming out this next month 
on the wonders of St. Joseph. They're, they're wonderfully written and produced by Robin Waters himself out of, out of Central Texas. Something to look forward to. Definitely. Now, on another note, something else I wanted to talk about, and uh, as always, um, Pope Francis tends to hit buttons with <laughs> yeah. some of us, and uh, there's always a lot of conversation uh, in the news, on the internet, and uh, the feedback sometimes is great. The feedback sometimes is not so great. Right. But most of the time, a lot of the comments fail to realize the breadth of the issues involved in some of these things that we fail to understand. And recently, there was news about a letter that mm-hmm. Pope Francis had written to Father James Martin. And that was Father, in the uh, National Catholic Register, Catholic News Agency, I think I saw uh, that. Catholic New a- News Agency okay. was the source of the uh, article on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the issues raised were that Pope Francis, in his letter, stated support for the ministry of Father James Martin, who is a rather controversial Jesuit priest uh, who is ministering to the LGBTQ communities. Mm -hmm. And Father Martin tends to do this in a manner that sometimes seems to run counter to church teaching. And yeah. so he has raised much controversy uh, over the years in things that he said and things that he's done and positions that he's taken that right. appear to be contrary to what the church teaches. Mm-hmm. And so when Father, uh, when Pope Francis sent a letter in support of his ministry, there was much consternation and even outrage that right. the Pope would do this. Now... I have, am a firm believer that everything must be seen in context. Mm-hmm. And so first of, the context has to be that the Vatican clearly stated that the church is not able to bless same-sex unions, is not capable of conducting marriages, which is one of the things that Father Martin mm-hmm. is all in favor of, of having uh, same-sex couples be allowed to marry, and uh, the church has made its position very clear on that topic. So this is not something that Pope Francis was supporting in his letter to Father Martin. Correct. So what we need to look at is what was he supporting? Mm-hmm. And when we read the comments uh, in the letter that Pope Francis made, he is supportive of the outrage uh, outreach to that community. Mm-hmm. And this is something that should not surprise us about Pope Francis. Pope Francis, from his uh, years as a bishop, from his earliest days as pope, has said that the church must, must reach out to the margins. And so what he is supportive of is that the church is present in every community, mm-hmm. just as Jesus was present to every community in Jerusalem, and Jesus went through this same problem about what is he doing eating with sinners? What is he doing hanging out with women of ill repute? What is right. he doing with all these things? 
And so when we're concerned with Pope Francis being supportive of a ministry that reaches out to groups that are normally not associated with the teachings of the Catholic Church or may be viewed as such, this should be nothing new to us. This is what the Church should be doing. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that at any time the teaching of the Church changes, that we are called to deny what it is that the Church teaches. What it calls us is to be there, to show love and support for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so when we get excited about things that, you know, well, how can he be supportive of this ministry? Mm-hmm. We must see it in the context that it was written, that it's already been stated that the church does not bless same-sex unions, that the church cannot conduct marriages for same-sex couples, but that we must reach out to every community and spread the word of God. Mm -hmm. Now, we can argue all we want to about, are we doing this well? Yeah, method. And how it's done. Exactly. And so we have to be aware of the fact that we're going to have missteps. We're going to have people that are most willing to assume that mantle and least capable of doing it according to the teachings of the church. In no way does that mitigate the responsibility that we do it in the first place. Yeah. That we go out and be present to every community, that we reach out to every group, every marginalized group, and we speak the truth. Always mindful of the fact that we speak the truth with love, we speak the truth in charity, and we speak the truth with the understanding that no matter how it's received, it is our responsible ability to speak it. You know, and and Father James Martin's also going to use this letter to shine a light in 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 what he's doing to say, see, look, I mm-hmm. have, you know, so yes. it's it's going to be he's going to kind of create that controversy just by nature of who he how, is and how he, he does things. Yeah. Yes, but again, we have to be accepting of the fact that he's doing something that's necessary and probably not doing it the way the church would like for him to do it. Yeah. And yet we need somebody to step up and do it and do it well so that we can say, well, we're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. We will see you on the other side of the break. Again, we're going to be talking with Dave and Dorothy Hargrave. So stay tuned for that. And we're back. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. And as promised, we're speaking with Dave and Dorothy Hargraves. And as I said, it's about an experience which can only be described as miraculous. Good morning, Dave and Dorothy. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you very much for having us on. Uh, My pleasure. 
And before we get into your story, uh, tell us a little about yourself. And we'll start with Dorothy. Hi. So my name is Dorothy Hargrave, and I live here in Waco, Texas with Dave, my husband, and I work with the Labaree Society. Um, we are named after St. Catherine of Labaree, and we work with men and women who are trying to enter the priesthood or religious life, but they're blocked by their student loan debt. Um, I'm a product of the um, Austin Diocese, and I'm one of um, eight kids, and so just a blessing to be here on your show. Good to have you. And Dave? Um, yes, uh, I'm Dave Hargrave, and a um, little bit of background real quick. Uh, five years and five days ago, I proposed to this lovely woman, my bride, Dorothy. I've done a lot of dumb things in my life, but that's probably the smartest thing I've ever done. I've done a few smart things. And I proposed to her in front of the um, uh, Virgin Mary statue at St. Louis Church. And Dorothy not only said yes to being uh, my wife, she also said yes to being stepmother to our wonderful daughter, Hannah. And um, the reason I mention that first is because I think the miracle that God has worked through us is largely ever all the graces that we've received from the sacrament of matrimony, I think, just all came together in a short period of time to uh, grace us with this miracle. And a little bit about me, I am a field agent with uh, Knights of Columbus Insurance. I've been doing that for five plus years. And your being a field agent for the Knights of Columbus gives us a little hint about your connection with Father McGivney. Yes. Um, uh, for those that don't know, Father Michael J. McGivney founded the Knights of Columbus back in 1882 as a way to take care of the widow and children of departed Catholic brothers. And uh, obviously, we don't have enough time to go into the Knights of Columbus story, but uh, the prayer of intercession to Father Michael J. McGivney was one of the uh, powerful prayers that came into play uh, for our miracle, which happened uh, two weeks ago today. And about this time. About this time, yes. Yeah. Well, before we go into that, just one brief thing else I wanted to mention is that uh, Father McGivney is blessed, which means he has already had one miracle attributed to his intercession. So in order to that, be canonized, there's a second miracle required. And the church at the moment correct. is looking for a second miracle to attribute to his intercession. So with that yeah. in mind, tell us a little bit about that morning two weeks ago. How did it start? Okay. Um, it actually started the day before. And we have reported uh, our miracle to the Father McGivney killed, so we hope to be hearing from them soon. Um, two weeks ago yesterday, it was uh, Tuesday morning, the 22nd, um, I woke up feeling some chest pains. I felt some pressure in my upper chest, and I felt a very significant pain in the front of my left shoulder. I uh, stupidly figured it was nothing, that it would go away. A little bit after 11 o'clock, it wasn't getting any better. In fact, it was getting worse. So I finally uh, stopped working and called my 
doctor and got transferred to a nurse and told her my symptoms. And she said, those are classic signs. You need to get your butt to the ER. And fortunately, I was only about three minutes away from the ER at uh, Ascension Providence. So I drove over there, uh, checked in at 1140, uh, called Dorothy and let her know where I was. And they took me in pretty quickly for an EKG, and they took some blood, uh, played 20 questions with me, put me in a wheelchair, and put me in a room. And that was about the time Dorothy showed up. It all happened fast in about 15 minutes. Um, Fast forward about four hours. I'm still sitting in that room with Dorothy. Before we get to that, a quick question for Dorothy. When he told you he drove himself to the ER, did you have any comments for him? (laughs) Oh, I was just glad he was there safe. (laughs) 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 Um, It all happened just so quickly. (laughs) Yes. And just, I know what my wife would have said had I told her, oh, I, they thought I had a heart attack, so I drove myself to the ER. <laughs> All right, Dave, continue. Um, Four hours forward. Sure. sure. Um, what I learned later, didn't know at the time, is that when you go into the ER with chest pains, they immediately check your blood and do an EKG. And if they don't find anything... They keep you there for about four hours, and then they do an EKG and draw your blood again. And they did that, and probably about 20 minutes after they did the second EKG and second round of blood work, doctor comes into the room. He says, "Uh, we found something on your second EKG. Uh, Some nurses are going to be here really soon. Things are going to start moving pretty fast. So everything changes. Um, They come in and get me ready to go to the cath lab. Um, I tell the nurses, hey, don't tell me what's going on. I don't want to know. Just put me under if you have to do anything. And, of course, Dorothy's in the corner of the room. She's saying, well, I'd like to know what's going on. So they pull Dorothy out of the room. And uh, you should chime in here, Dorothy, because this is the important part. Well, I just want to back up and just say one of our favorite prayers is the memorari. So that's the first thing we did is we realized that when there was a lot going on that we stopped and prayed. And, um, and then they whisked, whisked me out of the room, and I was asked to sign a lot of paperwork. Basically, I was signing Dave's life away, <laughs> and um, it was all just a whirlwind. And um, I stopped, and I said, you know, our Catholic faith is really important to us, and Dave's going to want to see a priest. And at that point, uh, a chaplain approached me. He's a lay chaplain. But he has a miraculous medal in the forefront of um, his badge. And as you know, I work with the um, Labore Society, and um, Our Lady appeared to St. Um, Catherine of Labore. And, you know, um, and it's because of, of that apparition that we have the miraculous medal. Um, and so just seeing that miraculous medal and it, its significance in my life, it just it runs very deep um, in both of our lives. And Dave was, is, was and is wearing a miraculous medal when this all happened. And so just seeing that medal was just so precious and so comforting. But anyways, um, I, that chaplain immediately went off to get Father Cyril, um, who was there within a couple of minutes. Um, and Dave, I don't know if you want to chime in from there. Um, yeah, 
through uh, Dorothy seeing the chaplain and her requesting a, a priest, Father Cyril was there within two or three minutes. And he's For those of you that don't know him, Father Cyril, he's the pastor at St. John's here in Waco. He's also very active at Providence Hospital, just a wonderful man. And uh, he shows up and uh, he hears my confession. And then he uh, gives me anointing of the sick. And he sings the first verse of Amazing Grace, and I sang it with him. It was a really a nice moment. And then um, Dorothy and the nurses come back in after Father Cyril leaves, and Dorothy and I say a quick memorari, and they whisk me off to the cath lab. I give Dorothy my wedding ring in case something happens to me, and so they take me into the cath lab, and Dorothy goes to the chapel to pray. I went downstairs to the chapel, and um, I had already asked um, Father Cyril if I could re receive um, the Eucharist. So um, he meets me there in the chapel. Um, I'm able to receive Jesus, and then he leaves me alone, and I'm able to just pray in front of the tabernacle, in front of Jesus, after having just received him and intercede for Dave. And I poured out my heart, and um, I asked for all the angels and saints to be with him. Um, I asked for the intercession of Father McGivney, um, Father Walter Chiswick, and um, also we were married on the feast of the Holy Family, and um, so I asked for the Holy Family to be there at his side, and I looked down at the what, you know, Dave's wedding ring, which was above, above mine. I had, I had his wedding ring on my ring finger as well, and I had remembered the inscription that I had um, put on the inside of that, uh, of our wedding, of his wedding ring. Um, which had Luke 137, which is a um, very special scripture verse to us, and our wedding date, and then JMJ for the Holy Man family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And it was just very an, an intense, powerful um, time of prayer. And um, I then turned around, and there's a reliquary on the wall, and I pray in front of the, the reliquary. We had several relics of different saints, but one prominent um, relic that stood out to me was St. Catherine of Laboray. And before coming to the to the hospital, I, I had um, reached out to my coworkers. I work remotely for Laboray, so they're up in Minnesota, and there's a chapel in our office there, and they all immediately went to the chapel to pray and intercede for Dave. And there's a relic of St. Catherine in that chapel. And here I turned around to pray it, um, at, in front of this reliquary, and here is a, a relic of St. Catherine there, too. So that was she was also very, uh, I think, instrumental in praying for Dave. Um, so, yeah, there was just a lot of unknowns as to what was going to happen in cath lab. Um, after that time of prayer, I proceeded to go back up to the floor where Dave was at, and I was met by the nurse that was there in the procedure um, to update me and to let me know what they had found. They... Um... They examined my arteries and found absolutely no blockages whatsoever. Um, even before I got off the table, uh, the cardiologist that did the procedure said that his preliminary diagnosis was uh, pericarditis. And I'm not a doctor, but basically that is uh, inflammation of the membrane that surrounds the heart. And he told me that I would be getting a medication I'd be taking it for a month, and that should take care of it. So they put me in the hospital overnight for observation. Uh, 
Hannah, our daughter, comes and visits. Dorothy's uh, sister, Teresa, comes and visits. And uh, it's really a peaceful night. Uh, I was even able to say the rosary with our Tuesday night rosary group group that uh, we're a part of. And um, we knew that it wasn't a heart attack. Um, We knew we had a diagnosis. And we knew that, uh, God willing, we'd get to go home the next day. So everything was looking really good. And um, the next morning, our cardiologist comes by and says, you know, we've been looking at things. And, yes, we believe it's pericarditis. And other than your heart rate being a little high, it's a little over 100 right now, everything else looks good. So we're going to sign you off to be discharged uh, just as soon as I get the paperwork, Dave, I'll sign off on it. So, yeah, two weeks ago this morning, it's a very nice day, and then uh, we're fixing to go home from the hospital. Then things get a little wonky, shall we say. (laughs) But this whole time, you were Um, still hooked up to a heart monitor, right? Yes. um, I had been hooked up to a heart monitor the whole time. I had been in bed for approximately 22 hours straight. And our, um, I've already signed off on some preliminary discharge paperwork from my bed. And the case manager comes in and she says, um, Dave, I'm glad to hear that you're about to go home. But before I sign off on discharge paperwork, um, I need to see you walk around. So I get up out of bed for the first time in 22 hours. I don't feel very good. But um, I do manage to make two semicircles around my bed, getting as far as I can go, attached to all these wires. Um, uh, So I'm able to do that. And the case manager says, okay, that's great. Uh, Next thing you need to do before I sign off is uh, we're going to disconnect you from your equipment. And then you're going to walk up and down the hallway. And then as soon as you do that, uh, you're good to go. So uh, we're getting ready to do that. And our nurse comes in and she says, Dave, are you ready? And as soon as she walks in, I turn towards her and I start feeling faint. And before she has a chance to disconnect me uh, from my heart monitor, uh, things go black. And now Dorothy's turn. Right, so Dave, yes, shared that he was lightheaded and needed to sit down. And then, as Dave mentioned, as he's being moved to the chair, um, that's when his heart flatlines. And the heart monitor shows a red flatline, and it is blaring. And um, and Dave's head um, is turned to the side, and he has a um, his eyes are bulging out. And he, there's just he, he, he's just not there present in his body. Um, what went through your head I, when that uh, uh, that happened? What's that? What went through your mind when that happened? I, I've seen death before up close, and it it. Um, it scared me. It frightened me in in the sense that um, I wasn't expecting this to happen. Um, and at the same time, I had this expected 
hope within me that Dave wasn't really going to be gone. And, um, and so the nurse and I, we just started frantically calling out Dave, Dave, Dave. And then we looked at each other just with this tremendous alarm in our eyes when Dave wasn't responding. And I was trying to get out the words, Dave, it's Dorothy, Dave, it's Dorothy. And I couldn't even get out <laughs> it. So it just came out, Dave, Dorothy, Dave, Dorothy. Um, and just nothing. Um, the, the nurse is frantically pushing buttons um, on um, her, I guess she's wearing some type of monitor uh, um, and no one's coming into the room. It's just the two of us. And so I frantically um, and with my feet moving, almost like I'm going through like a tire race, um, <laughs> I started praying the Hail Mary. And I prayed a very quick Hail Mary. At that point, Dave is still gone. Um, I looked at the nurse, and I realized that she's been trying to call for help. And I, I knew one of us needed to run and get help. So I asked her, do you want me to go? And she said yes. And I ran out of the room, ran down the hall, yelling, emergency, emergency, Um and at that point, rapid response had been um, broadcasted, and um, the, the room started to flood in with a lot of people. And I was back in the room at this point, and that's um, when Dave woke up and came back. And This is before anybody actually did any kind of CPR or anything. There is no CPR. There is no medical intervention whatsoever. Dave, what was I your... Was out... Go ahead. I think I was out longer than 20 seconds, but when they went back and looked at the heart monitor, they determined that my heart stopped for 20 seconds. Well, that doesn't mean, though, that uh, you were conscious weren't uh, unconscious longer than that because, you know, your heart stoppage could have been, the, the you know, electrically that 20 second, but uh, that doesn't mean that you were aware of anything for uh, that time. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I know that uh, the last thing I remember before that was looking at a chair wanting to sit in it and, um, then the next thing I remember, uh, I can't see anything, I can't hear anything, but I sense a presence, and the presence is um, two women. Um, I don't know who they are. I just sense there's two good women. That's all. And then after a couple seconds of that, I can see and I see two women in front of me. I don't know who they are. I'm in a weird room. I don't know where I am. And I'm thinking to myself, who are you? Where am I? And I later found out that I actually said that out loud. I didn't know that at the time. And then a couple seconds after that, all of a sudden I can hear. And I hear a lot of noise. But I hear uh, a particular voice in my right ear over everything else. 
and the voice says, what is your name? And I, I still don't know who, who's around me and where I am, but I knew my name. So I said, Dave Hargrave. And she says, what year is this? And I say 2021. And about that time, I figure out it's the nurse talking to me and, and Dorothy's in front of me and they're both on their knees. And there's all these nurses in the room looking at me like something's wrong. And there's people out in the hallway craning their necks, trying to see what's going on in the room. Uh, but it wasn't until later talking with Dorothy and the nurse that I found out that my heart had stopped. Now, your heart had stopped, but obviously it restarted without anybody yeah, else again, doing re- anything. Correct. They had called a code blue and they were ready to do whatever they do to restart a heart, but it started before they got in position to do that. So it started after 20 seconds without any medical intervention whatsoever. And the um, the nurse manager was in the room at this point and she yelled out, cancel it. Um, And then she made a call and confirmed with whoever that monitors, the heart monitors, that Dave's heart had indeed stopped. And um, at some point soon after this, they they decided they were going to transfer Dave down to ICU. And the nurse that was in the room when Dave's heart stopped, she was in the room and it was just her, Dave, and myself. And she said, you have someone really big on your side. And I said, I know the Blessed Mother really pulled through for us. And then Dave said, well, what do you mean you have someone, we have someone big on our side? You know, he's still, I think, processing everything that's happened. And she said, God, she said, I've been doing this a long time and I've never seen anything like this. And she said, as a matter of fact, I've grown up in a a family that um, is in the healthcare profession and, and this doesn't just happen. Did you discuss this with your cardiologist? What was his impression of this? Well, he showed up about 20 minutes uh, after that happened, and he said, uh, Dave, whenever a, uh, if a person's heart um, stops more than three seconds, we get him a pacemaker. Your heart stopped for 20 seconds. That, just, that doesn't happen. You're getting a pacemaker. So uh, the next morning, they tried to fit me in that day, but they weren't able to. The next morning, I got a pacemaker, so I'm a proud owner of a new toy. Now, Dorothy, between the time that he woke up again and the time he got the pacemaker, any concerns about this could happen again? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And... um... There were some ongoing conversations that I was having behind the scenes, <laughs> um, you know, and, and there's different things that we're still looking into and investigating. And at the same time, we're also just basking in and rejoicing in the miracle that we were granted. And um, all I know is in that room, there was a divine surge. And it was almost like every Hail Mary, every rosary I ever prayed, even the ones I you know, fell asleep praying. Like <laughs> um, none of that was in vain. And all the prayers, all, all the angels and saints, and all the people that were praying for us, and we have so many people that were just surrounding us in prayer. 
all that came together in that moment. And, and yeah, I think divine surge is probably the best way I can describe what happened in that room um, at that moment um, when Dave's heart restarted. Now, at what point did you all start thinking that everybody says this doesn't happen on its own and you all came to the realization that was something miraculous and this needed to be explored further? I think we knew right away. Um, We are still exploring... Uh, the medical reasons for what happened. We don't have hardly any answers yet, but as far as we don't know medically what caused my heart to stop, but we are very certain what caused my heart to restart. And that's a a miracle through God. There's no other explanation. And, uh, we could list all the people that have prayed for us. We could list all the graces that we've received um, since we've been married and just, but you ain't got enough time. (laughs) We have been ridiculously blessed in so many ways. Um, And now we're thankful for this bonus time that we have. Now talk a little bit about, uh, that uh, connection you now have with uh, Father McGivney's cause for sainthood. Uh, You uh, mentioned that, you know, people prayed to uh, uh, the Blessed Virgin. People prayed um, to uh, Sister Labouret, and uh, people prayed uh, for the intercession of um, Father McGivney. When did you decide this was something that was worth sending to his cause to explore. Well, I'll just say um, that when I was in the chapel praying the day before um, Dave's heart stopped when he, when he was in cath lab, um, we were supposed to be going um, up to um, Fort Worth um, for an agency meeting with the field agents um, under um, the Fort Worth agency, the Stark agency. And I had to let, um, Dave's boss know that that we were probably not going to make it and we needed their prayers. And he sent me, um, he texted me the prayer, Father McGivney. And he said that Father McGivney is known to come through for his field agents. And I prayed that prayer. And then I sent it out to a couple of people as well who joined me in praying to Father McGivney, um, so at that moment and, and just the miracle that we received, we, we have felt his intercession um, through all of, all of this. And um, so for, for me, that's how Father McGivney came through. And from there, Dave, um, after all this happened, he's the one who then reached out to them um, online to submit the miracle. Did you hear any response from them after sending it or? Not yet. Um, yeah, I'm confident that we will. Uh, just uh, they get a lot of favors reported regarding Michael J. McGivney. And uh, 
but yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, Father McGivney interceded for us. Father Walter Chiswick interceded for us. There's a whole other show right there. Um, just so many things. Um, yeah. As you uh, reflect on what happened to you and um, the fact that, you know, people end up in the hospital for all kinds of reasons. And uh, sometimes we have no control over which hospital we end up at and the choices we make. Uh, I noticed in your statement you had, uh, originally uh, had mentioned that, you know, maybe you should have gone to Scott and White. <laughs> uh, and you changed your mind rather quickly when you decided to, uh, you would like a, a priest. Uh, but isn't it a blessing just to have been in the Catholic hospital for this? Oh, gosh, yes. And uh, what Deacon Mike is referring to is um, we've written uh, a lot of this down, and uh, we hope to get it into a, a book form. Um, about 3 o'clock on that day before my heart stopped, we've been waiting in the ER for a good three and a half hours. I start getting a little antsy, and I complain to Dorothy, and I say, hey, Dorothy, I'm glad we're at a Catholic hospital, but uh, maybe the Pro Protestants could have seen us a little faster. Um, so I was getting a little irritated, but then when suddenly I had a problem, the first thing I was doing was asking for a Catholic priest, and like I said, Father Cyril, uh, he was there within two or three minutes. It was amazing. And it was really beautiful. Dave went to Cath Lab in such peace. He knew that if anything happened, he was in a state of grace, ready to meet his creator. Yes. Um, again, this is, it's just God has just blessed us so much. And once Father Cyril absolved me of my sins and gave me anointing of the sick, when I went to the cath lab, I was very peaceful. I, uh, I knew I was going to be great regardless of what happened. I was worried about leaving Dorothy and our daughter Hannah behind uh, if indeed this was a situation where I was going to pass away. But I knew that God was going to take care of me, and I knew that God was going to take care of them. There's a tremendous peace that comes from the sacraments, and I think I always knew that, but uh, certainly know it a lot better now. Now, one thing that uh, you also mentioned in that letter that— uh... You had not even asked for the anointing of the sick, that this was something Father Cyril mentioned when he was there, that perhaps he ought to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was um, heck bent on getting um, a confession uh, if if I was on death's door, but I didn't even think about anointing of the sick. Um, I've never been in that situation and uh, never received the anointing, but Father Cyril knew what he was doing. He had the oil and he... He was ready to go, and I was very thankful that uh, I, um, Father Cyril obviously won't take any credit, uh, and uh, like he said, it was just um, God uh, worked the miracle, but he works miracles every day through uh, good Catholic priests like Father Cyril. Now, the reason I brought that up is so often we hear people talking about the anointing of the sick and dying— and talking about, you know, well, so often we 
are asking more for spiritual healing than we are for physical healing, although that is obviously the hope for result. But in your case, obviously there was a physical healing attached to this also. That's right. Amen. Um, now, moving forward, um, any idea of what all you have planned to, you know, you mentioned you might uh, want to write this up as a book. Have you explored this? Uh, we're just getting everything down on paper as much as we can. And uh, we've had conversations with friends and we've uh, recorded those conversations just so we have all of this uh documented and of course we have medical records that document exactly what happened mm -hmm. on the medical side um all i know deacon mike is that uh, god has um, granted us more time together he's granted me more time uh, and i don't know exactly what our mission is but i know for sure that we need to get this story out to as many people as need to hear it. Um, and just a, a little bit of affirmation that that is what we need to do. And thank you so much for um, allowing us to be on. The nurse, there's two people that witnessed the miracle, Dorothy and the nurse that was with us. And before we left the hospital, the day after my heart stopped, we asked to see that nurse. And she came in to ICU and, um, she said that uh, she had been wrestling with um, her faith life and whether to go back to church. She hasn't been going to church. And she said because of what she saw, she talked with her boyfriend that night, and they were both going to go to church the next Sunday. And she gave us both a big hug. And I just hope that there's a uh, more people out there, and I think there is besides her, that if they hear this story, which has nothing to do with us, God just worked a miracle through us. Um, but if we share this story, we hope it has a positive effect on a lot of people and brings them closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, I think if nothing else, that just listening to the story, people will have a resurgence of trust that prayers do get answered. That, Absolutely. They do. Uh, now, uh, I'll start with Dorothy. Has your outlook on life changed any going <laughs> yes. through this experience? And if so, Absolutely. how? <laughs> Absolutely. And, well... Each time I pray them Hail Mary, I pray it in a different way now. Um, each day with Dave, it's a gift. And I, I knew that before, but it's, it's different now. Um, and I'm also, I'm still in a state of awe. Because even prior to all this, there were some significant things that have happened for us, um, road signs, if you will, pointing us that something big was going to happen. And I'm just really um, marveling in the graces 
and the foundation that God was already laying. Um, and so I'm kind of like Dave, I'm just, um, each day it's okay. You know, what does he want us to do with this? Um, Dave is someone not, is not someone that's necessarily wanting to be out there in front of a lot of people. He's very a meek, humble soul. And just the fact that he wants to give glory to God through the miracles that he worked. Um, yeah, each day it's a prayer. Okay, God, how do you want to, how do you want to use this to glorify you? Um, so a lot has changed since June 23rd. And, um, but I think most of all, my love for Dave and our sacrament and, and the graces that we received through our sacrament are so more concrete and real. Um, and yeah, it, it, June 23rd was a game changer for us. And also for me, it's also humbling in the fact that there is power behind a praying wife. Um, I'm not saying it's my prayers. Uh, there were so many other prayers, but just, um, and also continuing to pray. And Deacon Mike, I wrote a prayer um, for Dave. I don't know if this would be a good time to share it. Sure. Um, Dear Lord, please bring 100% healing to my husband. Please make his body whole so that he can continue to serve you faithfully here on earth. Strengthen his heart and may it be for you and your kingdom. Give him wisdom and grace as he seeks to answer questions regarding his health. Help lead him to the exact physician who, like you, will bring deeper healing to his body and soul. Above all, Lord, grant him peace and a heart that loves you above everything. Through the intercession of Mary and Joseph, we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Beautiful. And if you write a book, make sure you include that prayer. <laughs> I'm having bookmarks made, and I'm going to pass them out <laughs> just so we can get as many people praying, um, you know, just as we continue to seek answers um, in this process. All right. We're down to about three minutes of the show, and... Uh, before I say goodbye to you and to our listeners, quickly from both of you, what do you want people to get out of your telling of this story, be it here on the radio or if you do write it in a book, what would you like people to walk away from with this? I, um we we were talking about that last night and um i think it's different things for different people um but uh i would just hope that by telling this story uh people i think the one thing that we did was we trusted in god um and thank God we did. And um, going back to Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 37, that verse, and I may not get it word for word, but that verse is, with God, all things are possible. And um, this doesn't happen without God. 
And it doesn't happen if you don't ask for God's help. So the one thing we did right through all this was we asked for God's help, and he did the rest. So I would hope that by telling this story, people would at least get that, that if they have something where they need God's help, if they ask for it, they'll get it. And we had had several incidences that happened where God was inviting us leading up to this event to get out of his way. And a lot of of opportunities for humility and just to say yes to his will. And um, we see that being part of this entire process. And for me, I just, God still works miracles. And and that every prayer that is prayed is not prayed in vain. Well, I hope that... I hope that everyone listening will renew their trust that prayers do get answered and that, you know, your story helps others to not take tomorrow for granted, but to trust that God will do what God will do. And if we trust him, everything will be all right. Thank you for tuning in today. Next week, Gene Wilhelm will be your host on the Red Sea Roundup. Remember to tune in for that. Until then... When considering the many ways in which you might share your time, talents, and treasure with the people of God, always round up. Rumors and talk.